Hey, everybody, I'm Tim Muma, and you found your way to localjobnetwork.com radio. This is Employment Notebook, the podcast for any workplace concerns you may have as we speak with experienced professionals who can offer up their thoughts. Now, in this episode, we're looking to help out the managers who are listening as we discuss how to manage emotional employees. Of course, we're all human, and feelings sometimes do create some complex situations to work with. Joining us to touch on this subject is Jackie Meckenheim, Senior Trainer and Training Consultant for ERC in Ohio. Jackie, how are you doing today? I'm well, Tim, and I just wanted to thank you so much for inviting ERC to be a part of your program today. Well, we're very happy to have you on and uh, very interested to get into this subject. It can be something that's a little touchy, but uh, obviously important. Before we do jump into the meat of it, we always like to give our guests the floor to fill our listeners in on uh, a little bit of your background professionally, especially as you can relate it to this subject. Uh, Well, I I love this topic because uh, as an emotional person myself and as someone with over 23 years experience working professionally, managing both projects and people, and now in partnering with HR professionals as part of ERC's learning and development team, uh, I have experienced, witnessed, and or participated in firsthand uh, (laughs) emotionally challenging workplace experiences. We all know we've seen them, the good, the bad, and the ugly. That would be accurate. I'm glad you uh, you incorporated yourself as being a participant occasionally in those. I think that that'll help our listeners sort of latch on to what we're talking about. Uh, first of all, though, why is it important to talk about emotional employees and, and also managing them and dealing with them as they come along? Well, I think it's one of the most challenging experiences a workplace can face for senior leaders, frontline managers, peers, coworkers, colleagues. Strong emotion is something, right, we're told we're supposed to leave out of the workplace, but right. we know that isn't the reality. And if we don't get a handle on it sooner rather than later, a single isolated event or issue can quickly snowball into a larger organizational issue, affecting morale, job satisfaction, and ultimately the overall organizational environment and bottom line. You know, to that extent, you mentioned that one incident could relay into a lot of other areas. Do you think from your experience, managers, supervisors, employers don't focus enough on taking care of that emotional side? Well, quite simply, no, I don't think they do. And why? Because it takes time and energy and focus and attention and a willingness and an openness to deal with something that might be very difficult. And let's face it, everybody already has more to do on any given day than they can possibly get done. So I'm not being critical when I say no, just realistic and empathetic to the positions that they find themselves in. And hopefully, you know, that's why we have shows like this. So we can uh, give some tips, some insight into those listening and utilize and an experienced professional like yourself to talk about these areas. And the first thing that comes to mind, of course, is, uh, you know, in terms of signs or physical verbal cues that would indicate somebody is being affected by their emotions, what would you point to as being some of those signs? Well, obviously, everybody's different and unique, right? And we all react to our emotions in different ways. Um, And cues can be readily obvious, or they might be very subtle. Sure. Some things to look for, you know, noticeable changes in someone's typical body language or facial expressions. If you notice a change in their tone of voice or the types of words that they're using in the workplace. Also, if you see changes in performance patterns, lower productivity, maybe calling in sick more mm. than usual, right. or changes in overall attitude, those might be signs too. How about the the best way to approach someone? And I understand everybody's different, as you said, and uh, we'll get into that detail a little bit down the road here. Is there a best way to approach it? Is it something where you have to feel the person out a little bit? Or, or do you see a common mistake that occurs? I mean, what, what's sort of that, that area like, that, uh, that approach like? 
Well, I think a great first step is to simply ask somebody how they're doing. Be patient. Don't rush. And while it might be effective to say something such as, you know, lately I've noticed whatever it might be. Okay. Be careful that you don't judge or label. Allow the individual to express what's going on in his or her own language. In terms of the most common mistakes, well, people will say things to someone like, deal with it. Get over it. Ooh. You shouldn't feel that way. Uh-huh. Uh, but in most cases, the individual would love to be able to deal with it, get over <laughs> it, stop feeling the way they're feeling. Sure. And therein is the problem. They're unable and they need help. And I might just add, uh, you know, I advocate for this. No one should tell anyone else how to feel. But mm. we do have a responsibility to help them learn how to choose different behaviors. When I'm teaching assertiveness skills, I always stress that we all have a right to our feelings. But we don't have the right to respond to those feelings or behave in ways that can negatively affect the rights and well-being of other people. I think that's uh, very well put. And uh, again, uh, all these pieces of advice for listeners, of course, we want you to, to do what you can in those situations. And to your point, Jackie, you said uh, just to be careful how you approach these things and, and be sensitive to these situations. Now, we talk about you know approaching someone and maybe asking them how they are. Uh, on the flip side, some people, including myself, I would say you don't want to be helped necessarily. You just, in that case, might want some space. I mean, is there a way to determine if that individual needs to be, quote unquote, left alone versus you know having a, having a chat possibly? Well, and I think being left alone is, is not, not identifying it. Again, it's asking. It's a dialogue. And okay. it could be something as simple as, you know, I recognize something is affecting you or bothering you. Do you need help? And if somebody says no, then fine, right? You can go on to say, look, I'm here to listen. With, if you need to talk, if you need advice, or you just need to vent. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, you got to draw that clear line. You have to outline what are the expectations for not allowing what is troubling an individual to negatively impact relationships, team performance, and or collective goals. Right. How about if they are looking for some space? I mean, have you ever been in a situation or seen or maybe just talked about it where you would literally give them space? I mean, are there other options as far as time off or uh, a movement somewhere in the office? I mean, have you seen that, heard that, experienced it at all? Well, I have. And I've worked with managers who might just give somebody an extra break in the workday or tell them, you know what, today, why don't you take a two-hour lunch? You know, go out, do something, whatever it might be. Uh, encouraging somebody to um, call in well one day instead of calling in <laughs> sick. Uh, you know, maybe lightening their workload for a short period of time just to give them some time to breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, again, you know, allowing that person sometimes just space can be the most invaluable tool. Sure, sure. I just had a training seminar recently, and actually a number of uh, individuals around our workplace did. And there was a discussion on not embarrassing others, whether it be a you know a customer outside the office or an, an internal customer, as, as we talked about it. How would you say this applies to a manager and working with an employee who might have gotten emotional or is emotional at the time in terms of keeping their dignity, their respect intact? Well, it's critical, right? And, and the number one thing to remember is never address emotional behaviors publicly. If you're a manager, have an open door op- open door policy, obviously, you know, meaning they can come to you with anything. Mm-hmm. But I always say a closed door policy as well, meaning that what is shared with you is confidential unless it involves something where HR needs to be involved. And I think more than anything, uh, one of the most difficult things we deal with is crying in the workplace. And, you know, we fear it, but it's <laughs> going to happen. And most individuals are mortified when they get to the point of crime. Mm-hmm. So if that happens, allow the person to leave, compose him or herself, deal with the emotions later. But remember, while for some of us, tears can be an enemy, for others, it's a great healer. Sure. And uh, Isaac Dennison, who wrote the, the wonderful novel, Out of Africa, once said, the cure for anything is salt water, whether it's sweat, tears, or the sea. Oh, nice. <laughs> and I love to share that with managers. Yeah, no, that's great. I like that a lot. I'm going to have to use yeah. that from now on, I think. That's cool. Well. 
You've got it, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the beauty of this. I learn just as much on these shows as probably all of our listeners. So I, that, that's why I appreciate all of our guests on here. Now, in regards to, again, managing the you know, emotional employees, and I also saw the phrase, transform the problem. What does that mean to you? It really, to me, means using the problem as a learning opportunity, especially if you're a manager. These situations offer you an individual opportunity to develop more effective coaching and mentoring skills, and they offer the emotional employee an opportunity for personal growth. And then it offers you a collective opportunity to build a stronger, more supportive relationship moving forward. Mm -hmm. Well, I was curious, and maybe it doesn't, and that's why we have an expert on like yourself. Would the response of the employer, the manager, possibly be different if the emotional issue is happening because of a personal matter, you know, something at home, might be family related, who knows, or if it was an emotional reaction to something that happened at work? Does, is it handled differently? Is there a, possibly a different way you go about a solution? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I would say in those cases, most typically, you know, this is a perfect example when it's something that someone is experiencing outside the workplace of when a manager just really might need to seek support from and rely upon your HR team, okay. you know, especially if the emotional issue involves things like divorce or abuse or addiction or illness or whatever it might right. be. Obviously, as a manager, you want your staff members to trust you and rely on you for support. But there are definitely situations that are better or more appropriately handled with your company's EAP service or with other forms of professional counseling or intervention. And I don't want to put you on the spot at all necessarily, but I, I know you can handle it. We were talking about the uh, the personal side of it. If if I am an employee, just to sort of take it off that that track a little bit, what what is your suggestion in terms of if they need to talk to somebody about a, a personal issue at home and they feel like work is a safe place to to bring that up? I mean, is that is that recommended in any way, or is there a way to handle that? Well, absolutely. And and I think sometimes, right, when managers build good relationships with their staff members, you know, you go beyond being just a manager. You, you become a coach, a mentor, a counselor, mm -hmm. a friend, right, a confidant. I think if your manager serves that role in your life, absolutely, you know, go to your manager and seek assistance. But also be very willing to understand that your manager might be in a position where it is something where he or she needs to get you in touch with an HR professional. Right. So, you know, you've got to limit, you know, anger or frustration that you might feel toward the manager, uh, you know, anticipate that the manager just might have to involve someone else. Mm -hmm. Don't be upset about that. The manager may not be able to fix it, but your manager may be able to get you in touch with the next level of resource, you know, to get you on a path of resolving this issue in your life. I appreciate you going that route and just, you know, filling uh, our listeners in on that. We And, you know, we have a lot of people who might be new managers out there. And if you could briefly fill them in on when would there be a situation where they definitely should take it to HR, considering something that might be going on, especially personally. If, you know, a staff member comes to you and, you know, they are, you know, clearly, whether by what they're telling you directly or whether what they're sort of hinting at but not telling you directly. If you suspect, you know, that there is something going on in that person's life where they're being harmed or they're being abused or, you know, they might be in some sort of compromising position or whatever it might be, a manager should never fear going to HR. I mean, if you have any uncertainty at all, you know, ideally your HR team is your support staff. Mm -hmm. and they're there to help you as well. Um, and especially for new managers, my goodness, you don't know, right? People come to you, they feel close to you, they feel you are a trusted advisor. 
And many times we just don't understand. And if there's any question at all, and sometimes even if you don't have a question, it's a good idea, especially as a new manager, work with your HR staff. Sure. You know, say, I had this situation. Is this something I should be bringing to your attention? Or is this something that at this point, it's okay for me to handle independently? I think that's a great piece of advice for our listeners out there, especially, as you said, those new managers um, really learning on the job in most cases. Of course, you know, we're talking about sort of dealing with these situations as they come up. But ideally, managers and employers, of course, are proactive. What would you say are some of the best ways to keep those negative emotions from affecting the workplace, impacting individuals, uh, anything you can help us out with? I think it's funny. I think every individual, regardless of industry, organization, title, position, right, has a bullet point in his or her job description that reads something along the lines of other duties as required or assigned. (laughs) And I think one of those duties is to learn how to maturely, professionally, and respectfully deal with negative emotional reactions. And I think when a manager, a team leader is outlining his or her expectations for their teams, they need to outline those expectations about behaviors as well. Mm -hmm. And that I think leaders and management team members need to be trained in positive, effective management behaviors and communication skills, conflict resolution, change management, emotional intelligence. They're invaluable skills to help us sort of navigate the landscape of our, our human factor in our workplaces. Well, you brought up the idea, you know, communication, of course, being important in all aspects. Would you be able to give us an example, and listeners always love solid examples to be able to grab onto, of possibly, you know, a poorly worded phrase that might impact that emotional employee and then give us a better way to express that same idea to give everyone a a clue as to why that matters and how it can be effective? You know, let's say you're dealing with an employee who is struggling with uh, arriving to work on time, right? The classic tardiness problem. (laughs) You know, you might have yourself an emotional reaction as a manager, you know, and and say to the staff member, you know, he or she has come in late yet again. And, you know, you need to knock off being late every single day. What's different is if you approach it like this, I'm concerned about your attendance recently. Hmm. We need to discuss it. And I hope we can work this out together. Sure. You know, you statements can be perceived as judgment, accusation, exaggeration, especially when you say, you know, you're late every single day, (laughs) which automatically gives a staff member the opportunity to say, "Uh, no, I wasn't. I was on time (laughs) last Wednesday. I messages are simply stating facts. And and when we think about, you know, how verbal messages uh, are perceived, not just the words that are used, but how we feel about them. You know, one is a verbal finger pointing, you. The other is a verbal extension of your hand. I feel this way, but I want to work with you to move forward. Right. I think that's a nice way to break it down for those listening and, and get the get some insight there in terms of how to handle that situation. You know, there's also the mention of staying connected and, and being caring and um, really being genuine with that. What would be some specific ways managers and employers can do that? And to piggyback that, why might that be a struggle in some companies to really stay connected in that way? Because I tell you, it's a struggle, at least in my experience, and I think for many others. It's time and deadlines and schedules and constraints and managing virtual teams, right? Let's face it, we don't traditionally manage people who are in the same office with us anymore. They may be halfway around the globe. True. And competing priorities, right? It takes time. So connected, being connected and caring, it means we just spend time together, build rapport, get to know one another. I often recommend make your first priority as a manager every day to greet and acknowledge your staff members rather than walk in the door and answer your email and return your phone calls first and get caught up in the busyness of the day. You know, I'm not talking about formal sit down across the desk, let's get it scheduled in Outlook kind of meetings, but getting a cup of coffee, having lunch, walking out to your car in the evening after work, 
When it comes to staying connected and caring, it's the simple things that really make a difference. And another struggle that I will say is sometimes there is, and I hate to use this word, but there's an old mindset, right, that employees are not supposed to be your friends. Mm. But we're not talking about being friends. We're talking about being advocates for their success. And there is a very big difference between the two. Along with that, you know, we're talking a lot about um, sort of those negative emotions that we talk about. We think of anger, frustration, depression. Are there any cases where, you know, these perceived positive emotions or behaviors, um, excitement, competition, confidence, do you ever see that as being a negative emotion or having a negative impact on a workplace? Well, yours truly, case in point. (laughs) (laughs) If you know anything about uh, social or behavioral styles, I'm a very high I. I am one all about influence and and being expressive, which means I can be a ball of energy or or excitement, and that can drive other people bonkers (laughs) if I don't keep it in check. Or if you tend to be more assertive, and I, I say assertive, not aggressive, and a lot of people don't understand the difference and you're working with someone who might tend to be more passive, then they might feel intimidated by your confidence. Again, not your arrogance, your confidence. So when talking with employees about emotion and appropriate workplace behaviors, you not only have to deal with those behaviors that can be perceived as negative, but as I often say, you got to deal with the party animals too. (laughs) I I like the way you phrased all of that really because, I mean, we don't want to see anything as being a negative impact, but to your point, it's working together. It's finding ways to to have that fit. And, and you talk about your personality style. We've do, we've done a number of those uh, um, assessments here as well, so we completely understand what you're talking about there. And I think a lot of employers have, which can be a positive. Absolutely. Yeah. Overall, when you're looking at, I mean, the big picture of everything, I mean, what would you say is the biggest challenge a manager or employers would face when they have to work with an emotional employee, or maybe it's happening on a, a more than regular occasion? I really do think the biggest challenge is that if you don't deal with it, as soon as you start to see it, Mm -hmm. and by it, I mean the inappropriate emotional reactions and responses, then a single employee can become infectious. And that's tough because we like to be the proverbial ostrich, right? It's easy. If we ignore it, it'll go away, right? (laughs) Well, wrong. High emotion can trigger high emotion. And soon, you know, you'll have an entire team of individuals dealing with very strong negative emotions. And as a result, you can see a decline in morale and job satisfaction and then a decline in productivity, and ultimately a negatively affected organizational bottom line. Well put. Once again, I think you uh, you definitely have a handle on all of this. I'm glad that we were able to speak with you on this subject of, of managing emotional employees, however that might look in your workplace. Uh, before we wrap up the conversation completely, I always like to give our guests the floor at the end just to maybe give our listeners one more takeaway regarding this subject. Anything that's on your mind that you think is important that maybe we didn't touch on or you just want to emphasize one more time today? Well, I think just to wrap it up, you know, every employee is an emotional employee. They just differ in how they respond or react to what they're feeling, positively or negatively. Just because someone feels angry doesn't mean they scream and yell. And just because someone is excited doesn't mean they jump up and down and yell, woohoo, although I've been known to do that, I will tell you. (laughs) Um, It's like when I'm teaching and I advocate for the platinum rule and no longer the golden rule. Right. Don't treat others as you would want to be treated, but rather treat them as they want to be treated you got to get to know your employees individually as people. Get to know them not only for what they do, but more importantly, for who they are. Jackie, it's truly been a pleasure to be able to speak with you. Unfortunately, we are going to have to wrap things up on this edition of Employment Notebook. Our guest once again has been Jackie Meckenheim, a senior trainer and training consultant for ERC in Ohio. She's just been here giving us some strategies and managing emotional employees, but I think also uh, your passion for it, your, your energy, I think definitely comes across well for all listeners. So Jackie, we definitely appreciate you coming on the show. 
Well, Tim, thank you so much. And on behalf of the entire ERC team, uh, thanks for giving us the opportunity to be a part of the program. We hope your listeners will visit our website, www.yourerc.com, to learn more about our services and how we partner with organizations to make workplaces better. Thank you very much, Jackie. Well done, just like a pro. And we also want to hear from you, the listeners, as well. So if you have any comments or suggestions for our podcast, just shoot us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. Once again, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Take care, everybody. 